everyone, and welcome to this episode of our Seven Investing Podcast. I'm Seven Investing founder and CEO Simon Erickson. Very excited to talk today about virtual reality. It's been now six and a half years since Facebook bought Oculus. So is VR finally ready for prime time? Well, to help us answer that question, I brought in a VR expert. Jan Gugeluk is the founder and CEO of Virtuix out in Austin, Texas. Uh, he's going to share his experiences and his opinions on the world of virtual reality. Hey, Jan, thanks for joining Seven Investing. Hey, Simon, thank you for having me. Much appreciated. Jan, I've really enjoyed following your story at Virtuix. I know that you have 12 venture capitalists on board. Mark Cuban is an investor in your company. I've watched you on Mad Money with Kramer in the past. Congratulations on, on how everything's going. I know that the original perspective you had on VR and direction for your company was on the commercial opportunities, uh, kind of these gaming centers around the world. Can you tell us a little bit about how that has played out in recent years? Yeah, definitely. It's interesting. VR has followed uh, an interesting path. And so have we as a company. We actually initially started out focused on the consumer markets, early days in 2012, 2013, lots of excitement. But VR has truly followed the uh, the Gartner hype cycle. If you're familiar with that curve, there was a lot of hype uh, at a peak of the hype. And then the trough of disillusionment didn't work out as quickly as as massively as people thought but now vr is on this this slope of enlightenment so it's interesting how vr has followed that that gardner hype cycle to a t uh, we initially focused on the consumer market but then as you mentioned uh, those early years consumer vr was slow to take off so we we pivoted to the commercial market we started selling our product which is an omnidirectional treadmill that lets you walk and run inside vr inside video games and other applications it's a it's a wild experience we started selling that to the commercial markets, uh, entertainment uh, venues, VR arcades, which was a big, a big phenomenon a few years ago. And then most recently, we also started selling a, a multiplayer configuration called Omni Arena to the higher ends of the entertainment market, places like Dave and Buster's, Sky Zone, the big entertainment centers. Uh, and, and that's done really well. I think commercial VR, uh, commercial entertainment, uh, has had a, a strong demand for VR, and VR has done well in that setting. People uh, that visit those, those venues, they love the experience, they love trying VR. Uh, and that's been a big market for us in the last few years. But now for the first time, you know, we are going back to the, uh, to the consumer market as well uh, with a new consumer product, because now consumer VR seems ready for, uh, for prime time. Yeah, and let's talk about that pivot a little bit, Jan, because I know that if you're selling to a commercial VR arcade or something, it's all about the, the payback period, the ROI, you're going after a different type, type of customer with the consumer. Um, but, you know, it's got to be a lower price point. There's got to be different uh -huh. things that they're wanting. How, how, how are you approaching the consumer market for VR now? Yeah, yeah it's, it's very different. And the reason we did that was, look, we've shipped now almost 4,000 Omni systems commercially to the entertainment market. We are in 45 countries, over 500 entertainment venues. And, and it's our customers, our players in, uh, at those entertainment venues that start asking us, where can I buy this? When can I get this from my home? And that's what prompted us to start working on, on the consumer version of the Omni, actually taking us back to the original vision of the, of the company. But, but it's, it's very different. Uh, games are different for the home than they are for the commercial market. Uh, Omni One, which is our home product that we announced a few weeks ago, is optimized for the home, lighter, uh, cheaper, uh, easy to fold up and store. And also the business model is different. Uh, we call it a uh, we call it the, the Peloton for gamers because it follows the Peloton business model, if you will, 
uh, an upfront purchase price for the hardware, but then also uh, recurring revenues from games, from content, games we sell on our store and monthly subscriptions for online gameplay, which is very common in, in the game industry. So, so it's a completely different animal than, uh, than the commercial market. Uh, but, but the commercial market in our case fits nicely into the home market because we have this out of home sales channel, thousands of systems in the commercial market, uh, hundreds of thousands of players, soon to be a million registered, registered, registered players. That's a great sales channel for our home product. So one market, the out of home commercial market feeds nicely into our, our next market, which is the home. So one, one supports the other, which is quite nice. Sure. And I know that the Omni is, like you said, the zero friction kind of almost like, think of it as a treadmill, an omnidirectional treadmill that uh, you're actually walking on. So you're getting the full experience and working out uh, when you're doing a, playing a VR game, which is very different than anything else I've seen out there. But if I recall, you're actually kind of, uh, it, it doesn't matter you which headset is used. You're, you're agnostic to whether you're using an Oculus or an HTC headset or, or a Samsung headset. Uh, I suppose that the majority of, of the revenue in the VR global market is, is from the headsets right now. Is it Facebook that's a step ahead of competitors or who seems to be winning on the hardware side of this? Definitely Facebook, especially on the consumer side. I have to say Facebook is building an absolute monopoly on the consumer side of VR. Uh, they were the first ones to come out with this standalone headset. That's the big difference now compared to uh, a, a few years ago is a standalone headset. Uh, you no longer need a gaming PC. Now you can play VR with just a headset. Everything works on the headset. So you don't need cables. You don't, you don't need a high-end performance PC. So that, that really is bringing VR to a mass market, not just that segment that has uh, VR and, and, and gaming PCs at home. And that's how VR got started. That's no longer the case. And, and Facebook is absolutely dominating that market. And they just announced the Quest 2 $300 product, right? So they're, they're heavily subsidizing the hardware. They're not, uh, I, I'm speculating, but yeah, it's widely known that uh, they're certainly not aiming to make a, a large margin on, on the hardware, on the upfront, sell sale of the hardware they aim to make that up with with the sell selling content selling games and building a building that that market share it's very hard for anyone else uh, to come into the consumer market with a headset and compete on that price point and in fact what we're seeing is no one else wants to do it other headset manufacturers like htc and hp uh, may also come out with a standalone headset but they may focus more on the enterprise market because it's such a hard fight uh, against Oculus, who has billions and billions of dollars that they don't mind losing on upfront hardware sales. It's really hard to com compete. So to your question, absolutely, Facebook is, is dominating uh, the consumer side of VR, and, and it's looking like they, they will have very few competition and competitors in, in that market. Sure. And are we, do you think, Jan, this is speculating, of course, at this point, but are we a couple of years out from a VR headset that's standalone and doesn't have the wires that you're talking about? Uh, being able to integrate with a smartphone, will we be able to play VR games off of a smartphone with a VR headset on? Well, that, that, that's a route that was explored a few years ago. Uh, Samsung, for example, had a Samsung Gear VR where you take your, your phone, a Note 7 in that case, or, or, or an, a later version, and you could clip it into this holder, and that was your VR headset. Uh, that, that's, that's no longer done. Uh, but the standalone VR headset is actually 
uh, has all the components of, of a smartphone. If you look at a standalone VR headset, it, had, it has a, a screen, high resolution screen, it has a processor and it has sensors. Basically everything you find in a standalone VR headset, you can find on, in a smartphone. Uh, but but the, the way of doing that by taking an actual smartphone and, and clipping it onto your face, that, that, that's out of fashion, that, that's no longer done. Uh, companies now just bring out a standalone VR headset separately from, from any smartphone. Sure. Okay. And then the consumer opportunity too, you were saying that, you know, expectations of, of getting this lower price point into people's hands. This is not just a hardware, hardware sale. This is a platform that you can build off of. Mm -hmm. um, are there opportunities outside of gaming that, that once someone has a headset and maybe has uh, an Omni in their home, can you expand that into other opportunities too? Yeah, if we look at, uh, for example, back to Oculus on, on the, the Oculus Store, the applications you can have uh, on the Quest headset, it, it's more than gaming. It stretches to so, social experiences, meetup places where people go and meet up with other people. Uh, there's an application for virtual events where you meet up with friends and you go to a, a concert in VR. There's applications of uh, watching sports live in VR, front row seats. Again, social with other people. So VR is definitely more uh, more than gaming. And same for our platform. In Omni One, we will have our own game store and our own applications. Uh, and certainly gaming is our focus because gaming is just a, a lot of fun, especially with the Omni where you can literally walk and run around inside video games. Uh, but, but it's more than gaming. Uh, we will also integrate with those social applications uh, where uh, you can just hang out with, with friends and family. And in our case, you can actually also just walk around together or do things together. You don't have to just stand in place or sit on a chair, which is a limitation of just a headset. We have a, a much richer experience, if you will. And are the gaming developers that you're working with, are these tend to be like the larger game companies that we know of, the Activision Blizzards of the world, or are they smaller, innovative, really progressive VR-focused game makers? It, right now, it's more the latter still. Uh, some of the big, big game studios have not gone the VR route yet. Activision, you mentioned, um, EA Sports, they've stayed away from VR uh, just yet. Others have, Ubisoft, of course, major game studio has done a lot of VR. Uh, Bethesda, which is now, which was recently bought by Microsoft, interestingly, uh, big game developer and publisher, uh, has done some VR, uh, Fallout 4 VR, Skyrim VR. Uh, but for the most part, it's still smaller studios. Or do I say smaller? Some of them now are, are big in their own right, but focused on VR. I mean, VR is its own medium. You can't just easily take an existing game like Call of Duty and say, okay, here, here's the VR version. That doesn't work. Good VR games need to be made for VR uh, from the start. And, and so a lot of great uh, VR games exist today that have their own big following games like Beat Saber, very popular. Uh, I think now 20 games or so have, more, have sold more than a million copies uh, in VR, 20 VR games. So people are starting to make money in VR with their VR specific games. So a lot of these studios have grown and now are, are sizable and, and very well known and popular, but it's it's not yet per se that the big existing game studios, because hey, if you make Call of Duty, look, you can sell Call of Duty to 100 million PlayStation 4 uh, players on day one, right? And VR mm -hmm. doesn't have that size yet. And that that's the limitation, but I think it's changing. Now with, with Oculus and Oculus Quest, you know, Oculus Quest 2, the, the VR user base grows and grows and grows. 
and it becomes more and more interesting uh, to make games for that medium. So it's just a matter of time uh, until the big guys also start to focus on the VR medium. That makes a lot of sense. Now, Jan, I'm looking forward to watching some football games with you in the front row from a virtual reality <laughs> experience. Maybe we'll go watch some Rice Owls or something like that, or the New Orleans Saints if it was if it was up to me. But it, it, something tangential to gaming. How about entertainment? How about movies? You know, we've seen IMAX where you've got directors like Christopher Nolan filming films in IMAX cameras because he wants to project those onto the IMAX screen. Are we starting to see any reception from production studios in, in movies for VR? Yes, the answer is yes. It has been done. Uh, some movies exist today. It's very hard. It, it, the struggle is how to how to do it well. It, it's not easy. It's a completely different medium. If you look at it, I'll just tell you exa- an example of why. If you look at a 2D screen, the director is completely in control of where you are looking. And he can make you look exactly where you need to look because you're just looking one directionally at a screen. If you're in VR, 360 degrees what if you're looking to the left and an important thing is happening behind you you miss it (laughs) miss the biggest part of the movie it's very hard storytelling in vr hasn't fully been figured out yet plus it's expensive and it's so there's challenges there Uh, ultimately you know vr is good for interactive movies and ultimately in an interactive movie What's the difference between an interactive movie and a video game? Is there a difference? Ultimately, you're back in the in the video game realm. So uh, I think VR is best suited for full interactivity, full immersion, and let's go do things together. I don't just need to look at something as we're used to uh, with watching a 2D screen for a movie. So that's a perfect segue to a question I had to ask, Jan, is Ready Player One, Ernest Klein, you know, from Austin there, one of the pivotal books that went, then Steven Spielberg made into a movie. Um, this is an immersive world that he envisioned where people actually have the oasis where they're interacting with other people. It's all completely virtual. I mean, what are your odds, Jan? Okay, so let's give you a five-year time horizon. Hmm. Uh, Twenty October 2025, we come back and we talk again. Has some company attempted to create an oasis of an immersive virtual reality world out there? It's a great question. It's the billion dollar, it's a trillion dollar question because most VR companies want to create that that oasis. Um, I mean, parts of the oasis exist today. Uh, Some of those social applications I mentioned, uh, you can literally hang out in in VR and and meet up with with, with your friends and family. One of our team members here, he, he has a brother at the other side of the country. He doesn't call his brother anymore. They just meet up in VR every day and wow. they meet up at, in this poker game and they sit down at a poker table in VR and just throw down some cards and talk for half an hour. The notion that we're going to call somebody with a brick against our ear, it, that's going to feel quite outdated uh, in the future. Uh, so look, parts of the Oasis exist today. Uh, the question is, will there be one a world that seamlessly lets you do all these different things? I think the answer is yes. Will it be controlled by, by one entity? I don't think so. I think it's more like, like the, the internet, the World Wide Web. Uh, you, you can enter this virtual world. There's a lot of things to do, a lot of different games, applications, but they're not all controlled by, uh, by the same company. That, it will come together in bits and pieces from different places, but ultimately, yes. Look, ultimately, I think people will spend a lot of time in VR, not just for gaming, but for social interactions, watching sports, whatever it may be. People will spend a lot of time in VR. It's a great medium. 
uh, and it's becoming more and more mass market and, and, and mainstream. So that oasis will basically be that VR world where in which you spend a lot of time. And, and that is parts of that obviously exist today. A lot of people are spending a lot of time in VR today. So, yeah. You were mentioning the hype cycle coming back around. So it's really starting to be the time for VR now. Um, IDC, the research firm, agrees with you. They're expecting a five-year compound annual growth rate for VR as a whole global industry to increase at 77% a year for the next five years. Uh, so that's a huge market that we have to pay attention to. I think it's worth $137 billion by 2024. A lot of their expectations are for the enterprise side of this. Uh, you mentioned interactive, you know, just like a video game is interactive for you. There's opportunities, uh, whether that's in simulations or industrial uh, surveillance or, or anything like that, um, that they kind of think that, that there's an opportunity for that on the consumers or I'm sorry, on the commercial side of that. Uh, any, any thoughts on kind of, you know, how Microsoft is developing the, the HoloLens and kind of all these different companies are how they're approaching the commercial opportunity for VR or, or augmented reality to AR mm -hmm. as well? Yeah, AR, definitely AR on the, on the commercial side, on the enterprise side. AR is, I find AR to be quite different than, than VR. AR is basically, you're going to augment your existing reality. Microsoft HoloLens, uh, Magic Leap didn't turn out to be as, as, as big as people thought it was going to be. Now also shifting to the, to the enterprise market. I think AR has a great uh, place in the enterprise market where you can wear glasses and it augments your reality for whatever you need to do, whether you're you know, picking stock in a warehouse or you're doing a, uh, a medical surgery. VR, I, I think, is, uh, is different because VR takes you out of the real world and puts you in a different world, which is the, the definition of entertainment. If I want to be entertained, I want to leave my existing world and put me in a, in a new fantasy world, right? That, that's, and, and so I think, I think VR will have mostly um, applications in entertainment. Um, some non-entertainment as well, definitely. Education, uh, very big. Training and simulation, which is related. Uh, we actually sold quite a few Omnis to uh, the military, military agencies and contractors for training and simulation purposes. Oil and gas as well. Uh, hey, let's do a training on an oil rig. Let's do that in VR. Uh, so education, training and simulation is very big for VR uh, because you can truly put people in, a, in, in an environment that would otherwise be too costly to, to build physically. Uh, so, so definitely uh, lots of enterprise applications for VR. Um, I think ultimately the consumer market for VR is bigger. Uh, I think so ultimately. But in the meantime, uh, look, we focused on, on the enterprise market for the Omni for the last few years quite successfully. Uh, you know, we've, showed, we've shipped over $10 million worth of product to that market. Um, AR, I see more as an enterprise medium, less of a consumer medium. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. It sounds like there's a lot of transition from the spin that companies are typically putting in today for travel, for whatever it is, in-site, in-person in -person or on-site uh, experiences and moving that virtually. It might be the opportunity for commercial side of it. Mm -hmm. uh, Jan, a, a couple of years ago, I, I came out to your headquarters out there in Austin, Texas. I actually used the Virtuix Omni. It was awesome. It was quite the experience, I've got to say. Uh, that has been several years ago, and I know you guys have been up to a lot of exciting things since then. Uh, what is the game that if we buy the Omni that we have to try out that's one of your favorites to play? I think the most popular game in the, in the, in the commercial market is, is a game called Elite Force, and it's basically like Call of Duty. It's like playing Call of Duty, but you're in the game with your friends, running and gunning, 
Uh, I mean, it's incredible. Uh, if people like Call of Duty, you know, imagine being inside that game and, and running around with your friends. That and, and look, it's uh, ultimately first-person shooters is, is uh, among the most popular uh, genres of gaming. But look, we, we try to offer something for everybody. We have kids' games. We even have a game where you just walk around in nature and enjoy a nice nature environment. Uh, we have pirates games, scary games, haunted house, you name it. Uh, so we try to offer something for everybody. Yeah, perfect. And then my last question is, you know, our audience here at 7investing, mostly individual investors, uh, we are very interested to see how this uh, this virtual reality market plays out. Is there anything that you think that we should be really paying attention to, especially if it's not obvious or, or something that you would recommend us keeping our eye on? I think I think the developments from uh, by, by Facebook, Oculus, the Oculus Quest, uh, I think you'll see a rapid traction there. Uh, I think PlayStation is going to come out with a new headset for the PlayStation 5. Um, I think that will be quite successful. So you'll see a lot of these, these headsets, uh, new headsets coming to market that will be successful. That will see a rapid uptick, much more so than a few years ago. Um, and in our case, uh, if your viewers are interested, uh, I'll mention our own uh, investment round we're doing today. It's a, it's a Reg A round on, on, on the Seed Invest platform. Uh, so now, thanks to Regulation A, a company like ours, we've raised over you know, $20 million today from investors, more Cuban VCs. Now, for the first time, we can also uh, raise money from everyday investors. Uh, doesn't don't have to be accredited anymore. So if people are interested, they can visit us on, on seedinvest.com and, and look check out our, our investment campaign. And they can invest, invest money in Virtuix as well if people want to have exposure to the, the growing VR market. It's really neat, Jan. I'm really excited to see where you go with this I, and also to follow all the progress you've made in recent years. Thanks so much for chatting here with me and 7 Investing this afternoon. Thanks so much, Simon. Thank you for having me. And thanks again for tuning in. We are here to empower you to invest in your future. We are 7 Investing. Okay, Jan, now if you're up for it, we actually got some questions submitted to our 7 Investing Twitter feed from our audience that they'd like to ask you about virtual reality. Are, are you game for taking a couple of questions from our audience? Yeah, definitely. Okay, great. The, the first question uh, comes from Tian Fook. Uh, Jan, he asked, which companies have adopted augmented reality for medical surgical procedures with some commercial success? Any I thoughts on medical? Yeah, I think I think uh, Microsoft Hololens uh, ha has seen some activity and traction in, in the medical field, um, and then the second one, Magic Leap, which which we mentioned earlier, uh, the latest news I read was that they were going to focus primarily uh, on medical going forward. They had to scale back their ambitions quite a bit, um, and so they now are also, I believe, focused on the medical field for the application of uh, of AR. Okay, great. Another question from the New Investor book. This is our buddy Max. He's asking, when will we see wide, widespread adoption of AR, again, being used in engineering? I know we talked a little bit about engineering as an opportunity. Are we making some real progress in that field? Yeah, and, and, and it's the same names. You know, AR is right now being dominated primarily by Microsoft HoloLens. Uh, other companies that were in the space have seen some setbacks. Magically, Meta is another one actually had to fold. AR is, is inherently more difficult than VR, frankly. The VR medium is ready, products are great, consumer ready, obviously people are buying it and using it. AR is not there yet. Uh, even HoloLens 2, it's not really yet ready yet for prime time. It's more still experimenting. People are trying to see what to use it for. So it, we're still a few years away, I believe, from, um, 
from from AR being ready for uh, for for the market, whether commercially or or consumer. Okay, great. Another one from Vetra Stocks here saying that there's a lot of use cases that are out there. Uh, can you do you have any ideas of publicly traded stock winners from the virtual reality trend? Now, of course, Virtuix is the one that we pick because that's the one that you work for, Jan. But mm -hmm. any other companies that you just respect what they're doing out there in, in virtual reality world? Yeah, I mean, there's a few pure players, uh, but the companies I mentioned before, Facebook, uh, look, and VR is still a small part of what they do. So I don't think by investing in Virtuix, in Facebook that you get uh, complete exposure to, to VR. But I do respect what they do. I mean, I think they have a great product. They're very aggressive on pricing. As I mentioned before, they're basically building a complete monopoly in the consumer VR space. Uh, which I think is going to be very large. Mark Zuckerberg always wanted to have his own platform, uh, which he didn't have. Facebook still today is just an app on other people's platform, which is a risk that he identified. So he always wanted to create his own platform. And, and that's why he bought Oculus uh, six years ago. And I think he's succeeding. I think he truly will have an incredible VR platform uh, that, that will... Uh, that will be successful and have, have widespread adoption. So if you have, Facebook is a big one. And then the other public companies in the VR space are, um, again, they're bigger companies that, that do some VR, but one is Sony with PlayStation, PlayStation VR. One is uh, HP, uh, which, which develops VR headsets. Quite, quite good products, uh, mainly commercial and enterprise focused, but doing, doing that really well. And uh, HTC, HTC is still one of the leaders in, in VR headsets uh, today. And then uh, I suspect it will continue to come out with new VR headsets going forward. Yeah, that's great. And then the last one is from Jason Ricketts. He's saying, how many games from Activision Blizzard or Electronic Arts with these massive followings, which by the way, have tens of millions of people playing FIFA soccer or playing you know, mm -hmm. the Acti Activision games right now, uh, how many of these games could they possibly get on their platform to really drive gamers into virtual reality experiences as opposed to the existing ones on 2D screens? You talked a little bit about this uh, earlier, mm -hmm. Jan, but what do you think about these larger game makers going to virtual reality? Yeah, yeah. Only a few have gone to virtual reality. The, the ones that you just mentioned, Activision and uh, EA Sports have not. Uh, EA Sports particularly, look, sports games are, more, are mainly from a third-person perspective looking at a field. Uh, so it's hard to translate that to, to VR. Uh, you're not in a first-person perspective, which really what, what, that's really what VR is all about. Uh, and Activision also hasn't, hasn't uh, gone to VR just yet, but others have. Uh, Ubisoft, a uh, big game developer. Uh, Bethesda, uh, just bought by Microsoft. Those, I think, are the two biggest ones that uh, have dabbled with, with VR. But I, I do think that, that the bigger ones will start to focus on this, this VR medium. Great. Jan, thanks very much for taking the questions from our seven investing audience. Pleasure. Thank you for having me. A reminder that people on this program may hold positions in the companies that are mentioned. Buying and selling stock carries financial risk, which could include the loss of capital. The views in this program should not be taken as personalized advice. And before acting on any of the information provided, listeners are encouraged to consult with a financial or tax professional.